still committed uh, to a strike. It's not nearly what we deserve for the care and effort and incredible passion we put into our jobs. Back to square one and the prospect of another school strike, putting Ontario parents in a jam once again. Good evening. Talks have stalled, and right now there's no sign of a possible deal between the province and its education workers. By Monday, we could be facing another province-wide walkout. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with our top story tonight. Siobhan. Zoraida, negotiators with the government and CUPE remain at a downtown hotel working through a mediator trying to come to a contract agreement. But the window to do that without any work stoppage is closing. For moms and dads, this may feel like Groundhog Day in November. It will be a full strike on Monday. But our goal is to get a deal done. Landing on a negotiated contract in the next five days is what could keep 55,000 educational support workers represented by CUPE in schools and off picket lines. I think it's unfortunate that you have to serve notice before anyone believes you're serious. You shouldn't have to remove your services. For someone to value them. The Minister of Education says he's disappointed by the strike notice. Why are we here? We did everything we Remember said we would Come to, to workers at QP to get a deal that keeps kids in school. Rescinding legislation that imposed a contract on QP workers and offered a universal pay increase. QP says the government offered a dollar more an hour for every year of the deal. For the average worker, it would mean an extra $1,600 a year. How is it possible after significantly increasing wages multiple times, repealing legislation, staying at the table and acting in good faith, we're in a position where children, again, may be out of class with their lives disrupted and that of their parents. The pay hike is a win for the union, but they're driving for other improvements. We will not abandon parents just because Doug Ford waves a loony in our face. Focus now on better services. We wanted early childhood educators in every kindergarten class. We wanted EAs supporting not just students with special needs, but having the appropriate time to do so. Requests Walton says were shut down. The government says this time legislation is not in the cards to stop a strike. We're going to stay at the table designed to get a deal that keeps children in class. With the countdown to another strike underway. The government ultimately pulled back on legislation last time around after huge pressure from public and private sector unions. It's not clear what kind of support there will be this time around if CUPE does walk out on Monday. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Zoraida, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Well, no doubt a tough situation for the two sides. An even worse predicament for families who once again need to plan ahead for another disruption. Here's CTV's Sean Lethong with some of their reaction. The potential of a second school strike in the same month has parents saying... It's extremely anxiety-provoking. Not great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's catching me off guard. I feel like it's awful to keep kids out of school continuously, like on and off. Laura Morano is a working mother who has two kids in kindergarten. That's going to be a big deal because uh, then I have to pay for a babysitter. Morano says it's hard enough making ends meet now. On top of that, you got to deal with the babysitter or uh, people that have to watch your kids because then I can go to work. So, yeah, I'm not happy about it. No, not at all. Victoria Colomb is picking up her daughter from kindergarten, and she has a degree in early childhood education, but she says... I can't afford to work in that field. It's just not enough. And when you're doing the exact same work as a teacher, as an ECE, and your salary is much, much lower, I just don't find it fair. 
Danielle Twazerski is a mother of three who's worried for her kids. Here we thought we were going into a you know, predictable school year, and yet again, like, it's just... I just feel like they're failing the kids and like putting extra pressure on parents to figure it all out on their own. But there are still five days for a deal to be reached. So if schools do shut down on Monday, the first question will be who is to blame? Last time, a slim majority of parents seemed to be on side with the education workers. In an abacus poll released back on November 6th, 62% of Ontarians blamed the government for that closure. And 68% of parents with school-aged kids blame the government. I support them regardless. I am on the side of the workers for sure, but at what cost? I mean, working with kids is one of the most challenging jobs, in my opinion. So I do see the side of teachers and teachers' assistants. And for now, parents will have to make plans and hope for a deal before Monday. Sean Lee Thung, CTV News. We will continue to monitor this story for you throughout the evening, including what schools plan to do in the event of another strike. Keep up to date at ctvnewstoronto.ca. A warning about the content in this next story. Some in our audience may find it disturbing. It involves a young Toronto girl and a very troubling case of alleged bullying within our schools. CTV's Allison Hurst has the details. Khadija Roy smudges for comfort on a day she would normally be in school. I do not feel safe going to school. The 12-year-old who attends Portage Trail Community School says she's been the target of bullying. Video of her being brutally attacked was shared on social media last summer. It's very humiliating for a person to go through that. And this week, she says it escalated to threats of physical violence. Khadija was playing at the park by her school on on the weekend, whatever, and she met the peer with older sibling, and the older sibling had threatened her with gun violence. Toronto police confirm they are investigating, telling CTV News a 15-year-old boy will be charged accordingly. And members with the Toronto District School Board say they are aware of the matter and it is currently under investigation by both the Toronto Police Service and the Toronto District School Board. Unfortunately, it's not something that surprises me anymore. Violence at school has been an ongoing problem in the city. In April, a 14-year-old student was seriously injured after he was stabbed as class ended for the day. Two weeks ago, an 18-year-old was shot and killed outside Woborn Collegiate, a 15-year-old injured. And on Monday, a 17-year-old was stabbed at Birchmount Park Collegiate and sent to hospital. Marcel Wilson says there are violence prevention programs that can be implemented in schools. These are action items. These are things that we get curriculums that are designed that can be implemented uh, into their structures. Roy says she was sent to the office instead of addressing the issue. I felt like putting me in the office was not okay because I didn't feel safe there either. Her mother wants to see action taken by school officials, saying she and her daughter are speaking out because bullying is common and can have dire consequences. When someone says, I'm going to shoot you in your head, I'm going to put a bullet in your head, I take that very seriously. It's not, it's not a joke. In the city, it's very real, and it's sad. And they're just getting younger and younger. Allison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto. Still ahead, soaring flu cases and hospitals at a tipping point. What our top officials say needs to happen to curb a new epidemic. That's coming up in just a few minutes. At least one commuter had the right idea today. Plows joined the rush hour traffic across the GTA following a slushy and snowy 24 hours for drivers and pedestrians alike. Michelle Jobin's here with a look at the current conditions. Michelle. 
Well, Nathan, we're not totally out of the woods when it comes to snowfall. This is more so flurries as we head into the next couple of days for the GTA. We are seeing that activity there, but snow squalls are starting to set up off the upper Great Lakes as winds have swung around from the west or northwest. We're also looking at a little more snowfall for the Niagara region later tomorrow, but we'll get to that coming up. So here's a look at the current warnings and special weather statement or weather travel advisory that are in place. And kind of they, uh, they do basically line the upper Great Lakes just in the lee of those areas. So we're looking at Barrie, Midland, Aurelia. Winds right now relatively calm, but they're picking up from the west and that's enhancing the snowfall. Temperatures close to the zero mark around the region. We're sitting at two at the islands, feeling like minus one, one degree at Pearson, feeling like zero. Back to you, Zoraida. Thank you, Michelle. Well, the first major snowfall of the season is behind us. But there are still a lot of slushy conditions out there. Our Janice Golden shows us how the GTA has been navigating the day. The snow started falling Tuesday morning, and it just kept coming. I don't know. I was surprised. I thought there was less snow. People starting their days like this. Oh, I love it. I, you know, no complaints whatsoever. No complaints from most quarters. It's okay. I love it. It looks like a Christmas, so it's nice. It's my first snow here, so just a little bit difficulty walking, but yeah, it's beautiful. And you're dressed for this weather. You are prepared. I'm, I'm a boomer. I know how to have Gore-Tex, yes, and boots, yeah, and layers. That's what you need. The city says we can expect up to four centimeters of accumulation. At this point, all roads are being salted. The DVP and Gardner Expressway have been plowed, and sidewalk cleaning will continue. In the past, we would wait until we finished the arterial and collector roads. But we did hit all the local roads, or start hitting the local roads last night. There are many, many kilometers of local roads, thousands of kilometers of roads. Ontario Provincial Police say the salt helped melt most of the snow and ice, so we didn't see a huge spike in collisions. We had about 150 crashes kind of throughout the GTA over the last 24 hours, which is not significantly more than what we might see on even uh, dry summer days. And yet the morning rush hour... Got complicated with a couple of tractor-trailer crashes that uh, closed some uh, ramps and restricted some lanes, which caused for some pretty significant congestion. Sergeant Kerry Schmidt says the best way to keep yourself safe is to drive according to the conditions. And what that really means is slow down and give yourself plenty of extra time. Speaking of which, plenty of creatures, both great and small, were having a grand old time today. Snowball fights are fun. Tobogganies are fun. <gasps> I don't know what's fun. And even if you think this weather is for the birds, you should try to keep things in perspective. It's okay. It's Canada. What can you do? <laughs> Janice Golding, CTV News. If you've been bedridden and struggling with more than a case of the sniffles over the past few days, you're not alone. The country is currently under a crushing wave of the flu, and it's pushing our hospitals to the brink. John Musselman joins us now with what Toronto officials are saying about the issue tonight. John. Well, Zoraida, thousands of people are heading into a Raptors game behind me. Uh, they're not obligated to wear a mask, but the city's top doctor is telling us because of the flu, because of COVID, now is the time to put a mask on when you're indoors. 
She's really good. You don't even feel anything, I assure you. We have seen this before throughout the pandemic. Toronto Mayor John Tory rolling up his sleeve for the cameras. And in this case, it was both sleeves, one for the flu shot and one for the COVID booster shot. Getting a flu shot and keeping up to date on COVID-19 vaccination is the right thing to do now. And if I had one simple message from today, it would be, please get vaccinated. Please get your flu shot. It is easy to do. We're making it easy for people to do. It is important. Um, it, these things are not over with. And the mayor was joined by Toronto's chief medical officer of health, Dr. Eileen Davila, who says we should all be putting masks on in crowded indoor spaces. That includes sporting events like the Leafs and Raptors, concerts, restaurants, schools, or just walking through your local mall. Now is the time to mask up. Are you inside? Are you in, in an indoor setting with people who are not members of your household? Put on a mask. Whether you're holiday shopping, whether you're hopping on a bus or, or train or socializing or going to school or work, if you're inside, you need to wear a mask. Right now, it's a necessary layer of protection. Keep in mind, this is a strong recommendation only. It is not a mandate. Davila says a mandate only works if it covers the whole province. Ontario's chief medical officer of health is recommending people wear a mask indoors, but it's not a provincial order yet. People on the street are expressing mixed views about indoor masking once again. I think it's good to keep people safe, and you know, if, um, you know, if that can help save people then you might as well so I notice you're wearing it outside why um, I just feel more comfortable that way I definitely think it's up to the the person themselves you know, everyone has everyone has their own conditions and such uh, vaccination definitely is a must yeah I think it's time I just our hospitals are a mess and so let's let's all do our part Toronto Public Health says we are facing a triple threat of viruses as we enter the fall-winter season, influenza, RSV, and COVID. It has put tremendous pressure on pediatric hospitals across the province. It is urging people to get vaccinated, wear a mask, and wash your hands frequently. And because this isn't a mandate, it appears to be more of an educational move here, trying to remind people that if they uh, wear a mask indoors, uh, they will better protect themselves and others. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, John. Well, adding to the issue of what the feds have declared as a flu pandemic is a severe shortage of common medication. Pharmacists tonight say the lack of supply we've seen with children's meds is now expanding. Now, some are calling for a permanent solution. John Woodward joins us outside a pharmacy in Mississauga. John. Nathan, it's a rare pharmacy that has certain children's medications, but we did find some here at Apple Hills Medical Pharmacy. It's being rationed as pharmacists struggle to fill demand. To many parents right now, this box is worth its weight in gold. Many of the, uh, the parents are quite desperate. I had a mother this morning um, having uh, an infant and also a toddler. Uh, both have spiked fevers. And um, she was just desperate in tears looking for some Tylenol. Pharmacist John Gerges says he's taking measures so that more parents can have access to the dwindling supply. We're rationing this for families. You know, we're just uh, selling one box uh, per family. Hundreds of medications low or out of stock completely, including allergy medication, cough and cold medicine, and more recently, certain children's antibiotics. The problem that we're facing right now is the shortage of amoxicillin and azithromycin, two of the most commonly dispensed antibiotics for kids 
So the pediatric formulations are on back order. And uh, this is very problematic because we are hearing a lot of secondary bacterial infections happening. All this coming at a time when children's hospitals are seeing more patients as a wave of illness has pharmacists scrambling. It's been very visible to the public, the fragility right now of our supply chain um, in the sense that many of the pharmacy shelves are empty when it comes to children's pain relievers. Health Canada has secured a foreign supply of some children's drugs, but pharmacists are calling for a longer-term solution. Manufacturing these medications here in Canada, if it costs us more, so be it. This is now creating more of a burden, you know, on the healthcare system, you know, and, and, and the hospitals, because the desperate parents who are not able to uh, purchase these products um, sometimes have no other alternative but to go to hospitals. He's hoping his supply will help alleviate the pressure, but just one box per family at a time. For anyone hoping that some cross-border shopping could alleviate these shortages, Gerges says he's checked some shelves are empty in Buffalo as well, thanks to Canadians. Reporting live from Mississauga, I'm John Woodward. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, John. York Regional Police have arrested a man in connection with the death of an elderly woman in Georgina nearly a year ago. 21-year-old Bradley Strickler is charged with first-degree murder, sexual assault, and arson. This comes after a January fire at a home near Miami Drive in the Queensway. It claimed the life of 85-year-old Sandy Gauthier. A motive is not clear, but police say they're hoping the photo will prompt anyone with information to come forward. 24 hours have passed since a violent incident in the west end of our city's core. Four people shot inside a Parkdale high-rise, leaving one person dead and residents shocked by what happened. CTV's Austin Delaney is here now with more on the story. Austin, have police made any arrests? Uh, we have one arrest, but we don't know what, if it's a shooter or not. It was quite a scene here last evening as gunmen were in the, in the apartment building. Uh, police were here. They were heavily armed. They were going from floor to floor looking for a suspect. On the third floor, a police officer stands guard outside apartment 301. There is blood on the hallway floor where a man was shot dead. A young woman asked police if her friend who lives in the apartment was killed. I have no information. Down the hall, neighbor Pauline Whitney says there was an argument. That happened. There was a guy at the door knocking down the door, said, give me my shoes and give me my bag. Are, are you going to be dead? You know, you, you're going to be dead. Another neighbor says there was yelling. She was trying to open the door, open the door. I want my money or something like this. There was gunfire last evening. I hear the shot, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I stay inside. Just three flights up on the sixth floor, the door to an apartment has been smashed in. The tenant, who does not want to be on camera, tells me by police. Inside, they chat about the possibility of jail time. Outside, tenants talk about a scary evening. I thought it was a movie. It looked like a movie, you know what I mean? We had guys coming through and guns like that. It was shortly before the supper hour yesterday when heavily armed police officers descended on this Parkdale apartment building, scouring every corner for a shooter. We've got officers going floor to floor, stairwell to stairwell, firstly to see if there are any suspects, to locate suspects, and also to confirm that there are no further victims. The high-rise at Dunn Avenue in Queen was in lockdown. So the police officer told me that I couldn't go into the building or pass the tape because there was a shooter and the shooter was still in the building. One resident telling us she got out just before the bullet started to fly. I think it's a kind of luck 
because I, I just left safely. And after I left, uh, things happened. Four people had been shot, leaving residents aghast. In 22 years I live, I live here, I've never seen nothing like this before. One man found wounded in the lobby, a woman found taking shelter on a nearby TTC bus, and another man making his own way to hospital. I'm kind of scared now to live in this place, <laughs> to be honest. Another tenant said she was afraid of the people in that unit. So one person was arrested last night. It's unclear if he was the shooter. Police are being tight-lipped today about the victim, saying they haven't yet found next of kin. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. Well, the latest monthly reading on inflation is out as the Bank of Canada considers whether to keep hiking interest rates and for how long. The Consumer Price Index went up 6.9% in October, matching the increase seen in September. That's still slightly lower than August and July. The price of groceries increased at a slower rate last month than it did in September, but still by more than 10%. Gas prices were up 9% after a drop in September. And with the cost of living on the rise, a survey suggests most Canadians will cut back on spending this holiday season. A poll from Equifax Canada found 60% of respondents plan to spend less on gifts. 41% say they'll limit overall holiday spending. Only about 12% say they plan to spend more this year. And most of that group is between the ages of 18 and 34. Well, the province is considering more changes to how municipalities and regional governments are run as the Ford government makes big promises on housing. How can we expand strong mayors and how can we provide the necessary tools to those member municipalities so that we can get shovels in the ground and build that 1.5 million homes? The mayors of Toronto and Ottawa already had their powers expanded recently. This new legislation would allow them to pass bylaws on provincial priorities, like housing, with the support of more than one-third of council members. The province will also assess how strong mayor systems could work in Durham, Halton, Niagara, Peel, Waterloo and York regions. A tense exchange between Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and China's president took place on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Bali today. The Chinese president was unhappy. Details of an earlier conversation were shared with the press. Everything we discuss is then leaked to the paper. That's not appropriate. If in there Canada, is sincerity on your part, free and open and frank dialogue, and that is what we will continue to have, we will continue to look to work constructively together, but there will be things we will disagree on. Trudeau and Xi spoke a few more seconds before shaking hands and parting ways. The PM later said he believes it's important for citizens in a democracy to know what leaders are doing on their behalf. The exchange has led to a mix of praise and criticism for Trudeau and questions around the future of Canada-China relations. There is some disagreement tonight between NATO and Ukraine after a missile hit Poland and killed two people. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. Moscow carried out missile strikes across Ukraine yesterday, but the Kremlin denied sending the one that hit Poland. Despite NATO's comments, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says he still doesn't believe a projectile from his country caused the deadly blast. Earlier today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Russia is to blame as it keeps up its brutal invasion. These missiles are killing innocent people and destroying civilian buildings and are yet another demonstration of why it's so essential to continue 
supporting Ukraine. And on NATO territory led Ottawa to extend an armed forces training operation in the UK to the end of next year. Defence Minister Anita Anand tweeted, in close cooperation with our allies and partners, we will continue to train Ukrainian recruits with the skills that they need to fight against Russia's illegal invasion. In Ottawa, members of parliament could have several late nights ahead of them. The House passed a motion to extend sitting hours in the House of Commons between now and June. Ministers with the backing of an opposition House leader can request that MPs sit until midnight to keep debating government legislation. The Liberals say the Conservatives have been obstructing their agenda by putting up long lists of MPs to respond to bills. The Tories say the new process will stifle accountability. NASA's new moon rocket successfully blasted off on its debut flight early this morning. Four-stage engines start. Three, two, one. Boosters in ignition and liftoff of Artemis 1. The launch kicks off a three-week journey with three test dummies on board orbiting around the moon. NASA hopes to send four astronauts around the moon on the next flight in 2024 and land on the lunar surface in 2025. Coming up, downtown construction chaos. When will the work be done and how best to get around the gridlock? Tonight, Pat Foran coming up on Consumer Alert. The pandemic caused a major backlog in small claims court. It's a system that deals with a lot of neighbor disputes and unpaid bills. A man from Maple just took his builder to court and won his case. I'll have details. That's just ahead. We've passed the halfway mark of November, and so far this month, we've seen everything from a high of almost 21 degrees to almost one degree. Yesterday is the high, and our coldest night yet of this month is coming up in the seven-day forecast. I'll let you know more about that, and if we'll get more snow coming up. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Ontario's small claims court system has been facing a massive backlog in cases because of the pandemic. The courts had to work remotely during COVID, but the Attorney General's office says it's trying to get operations back to normal. Here's Pat Foran now and Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Ryda and Nathan. Small claims court is known as the People's Court, and it deals with cases that are under $35,000. While there are major delays to have your case heard, it's still a good option if you feel you have nowhere else to turn. We first met Peter Segetti three years ago when he was in a dispute with his builder over a $1,000 grading deposit. He and 100 others in his development were supposed to have their deposits returned, but after 11 years, they still hadn't received their money. We're entitled to the money, and we're not receiving it. Frustrated, Zagetti decided to go to small claims court. He recently won his case and a judgment of the $1,000 plus court costs. I was ecstatic. I felt after 14 years there was some closure to be had. It wasn't the money. It does help, but it was more of the principle. The pandemic caused major delays in the small claims court system. If you have a case now you want to take to small claims court, it could take as long as a year to get it in front of a judge. Yane Baboulas is a paralegal who has been involved in small claims court cases for 11 years. He says it will now take extra time for your case to be heard. The system before COVID was backlogged, right now it's worse, so you're going to have to use your patience. But it is worth going to the court system if you have a problem that you want to get rectified. 
Some cases that end up in small claims court are for unpaid loans, unpaid rent, property damage, personal injuries, and breach of contract. There is a limit of $35,000, and often the majority of cases are settled before they go to trial. You can represent yourself or use the services of a lawyer or paralegal. The court is supposed to be the people's court, but it is complicated, and I find that a lot of self-represented parties make a lot of mistakes that are easily avoidable. We asked the province about the current backlog in cases and a spokesperson said the delays are being dealt with and that the small claims court is currently back to normal operations. There still will be delays, but if you feel you're owed money by someone and have nowhere else to turn, small claims court may be an option for you. And the cost to take someone to small claims court is about $300 to $500 for the paperwork involved. If you decide to hire a paralegal, you could have to pay several thousand dollars depending on how complex your case is. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Okay, we're talking about wintry weather right in the middle of fall. I know we had forecast it, we were waiting mm -hmm. for it, but somehow it still felt like a surprise. It, it's <laughs> different when it, you actually see it yeah. and you have to oh, yeah. cope with it because you're driving home or you're walking through it. It's tough. It is, and you know, you have these thoughts sort of in the middle of July, like things are just going to be like this forever. <laughs> and you know what, yet here we are. It's not certainly the earliest we've seen it, but it is a little on the early side and we're all having to adjust. There is more snow on the way for some, so we will talk about that. Weather is brought to you by train the most reliable heating and cooling brand it's hard to stop a train so definitely a cooler day today we are looking at uh, you know temperatures really not getting much above zero throughout the region if that we're sitting at one degree here in the city of Toronto right now feeling like one winds are calm but they are starting to pick up from the west and because of that we have gustier winds out of the west or northwest that over the relatively warmer waters of Georgian Bay and Lake Huron is giving us some snow squalls. So we have snow squall warnings in place for Godrich right now, also for Barrie and Collingwood. These are areas where we could see 10 to 25 centimeters of snow by tomorrow afternoon. And then we also have uh, broader special weather statements and winter travel advisories just around, you see the border of Lake Huron extending down to London, obviously over towards Owen Sound. And these are areas that are sort of in wait for these activities to happen. So I'll show you here, you can see this enhancement off of the off of Lake Huron now and starting to happen off of Georgian Bay. So poor driving conditions, whiteout conditions, poor visibility in these areas. Here in the city of Toronto, in the GTA in general, it's mostly a flurry situation and that's going to continue into tomorrow and also into Friday as well. So slippery roads through the overnight into tomorrow morning as well. And as I set our forecast radar in motion, you can sort of start to see these squalls really get to develop, especially in and around Barrie, Collingwood, extending down into, you know, northern Durham region, northern York region as well. So you could see some activity there. Pausing here in the morning, a little bit of activity here in terms of snowfall for southern Niagara region, and there's more on the way. This squall reaching down just to the west of Hamilton. Still dealing with this tomorrow afternoon in Barrie, and there we go. Niagara, you didn't get much in terms of snow with this last round, but this is for you. It's happening tomorrow, so this is definitely 
snow accumulation on the way for you tomorrow afternoon. Uh, and that's going to be difficult driving conditions for your commute home if you're in the Niagara region. So minus two overnight, feeling like minus four with those flurries. High of just two degrees tomorrow, feeling like minus three at times. We'll have some cooler wind chills overnight Thursday into Friday. It's going to feel like minus 10 Friday morning and then just getting up to two for Saturday, a high of just minus two. Sunday, Santa Claus Parade, we're looking at a high of just minus one there, a little warmer next week. Back to you, Nathan. All right, thank you, Michelle. If you're driving downtown, expect delays along Lakeshore Boulevard from Cherry to Young Street because of heavy traffic congestion. That's because of an Enbridge gas construction taking place. Work is going from Young to Bay and is scheduled to end tomorrow night. Meanwhile, construction from Cherry to Parliament is expected to be completed by mid-December. Drivers are advised to plan their route in advance or consider taking public transit. The original Santa Claus Parade returns to the streets of Toronto this Sunday and transit agencies are getting ready for a surge in riders. Go Transit is promising additional round-trip service on the Milton and Kitchener lines on Sunday. The TTC says more trains will be running along lines 1 and 2, but some surface routes will divert around the parade route. CP24 will provide the official live stream at 12.30. And then on Saturday, December 3rd, you can tune in for the parade broadcast on CTV, ctv.ca and the CTV app. After the break, the stress over sick days, the calls to increase paid time off as families deal with respiratory illnesses. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. As respiratory viruses continue to strike families across the province, calls to increase paid sick days grow. And with the rise of illnesses comes the topic of masking and whether or not they should be mandated again. CTV's Beth McDonnell reports. Parents, kids, so many of us are sick with a virus. 12-year-old Alish Bamalik doesn't feel her best and is off from school. A lot of like cough and mucus and it just keeps coming, it won't stop. In fact, her family has been through having COVID and the flu. The flu uh, gets more worse, actually. It's like more six to uh, eight, ten weeks, uh, the symptoms won't go away. My younger son, yeah, he is uh, eight now. And uh, when she's sick, uh, other, other one is in the family is getting sick also. So that's why it's very hard for me. Indus Community Services serves thousands of families in Brampton, Mississauga and Oakville. During the pandemic, working so some of the most vulnerable didn't fall through the cracks and helping people access tests and vaccines. CEO Gurpreet Malhotra says they're now seeing a much higher rate of illness among people with a combination of viruses. What that's doing is limiting uh, people's ability to go to work. Uh, and fear around, you know, a partner or a family member who may be sick or may be vulnerable to someone else being sick in the household. Ontario's COVID-19 paid sick program allows up to three days off, but he doesn't believe that's enough. Malhotra is pleased masks are being recommended, but wants to see stronger messaging, encouraging their benefits for the vulnerable and the healthcare system. There are a lot of people now that are saying, no, no, no. They somehow think that Seeing someone with a mask is an indication that they want COVID to continue, and it's, it's, it's not. It's actually the, the, the best way for us to, to get to put this behind us. 
Also in Peel is Wellfort Community Health Services, which does outreach and primary health care for people with moderate symptoms in Moulton and soon expanding in Bramalee. It says it's been consistently busy over the pandemic and now. It's taking creative, community-driven um, efforts with education and go to where the communities are to actually bring about uh, some relief and some um, clinical assessments that can be offered. Alishba Malik says being sick has made it tough keeping up at school. When I go to school, then I'll be totally lost and it's quite hard to understand what's going on. But after a few days, then I finally start to understand. But then if I get sick again, then I have to skip out again. A cycle of sickness many families hope stops soon. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. With concerns rising about food supply and climate change, Americans are one step closer to seeing lab-grown meat on grocery store shelves. For the first time, the Food and Drug Administration have given the green light to a human food made from cultured animal cells. It's a chicken product from a California company called Upside Foods. Upside grows poultry, meat, and seafood using a process it says uses less water and land that conventional meat. The FDA said it has no safety concerns about the meat, with just a few regulatory hurdles remaining. Toronto Police and MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, launched an impaired driving awareness campaign today. Here, MAD distributes millions of red ribbons to Canadians across the country to be worn as visual commitments to sober driving. TTC buses across the city will now have the faces of victims of drunk driving displayed. They want to encourage drivers to not get behind the wheel when impaired. The launch was part of MAD Canada's 35th Red Ribbon Initiative. It aims to emphasize sober driving this holiday season. Actor Kevin Spacey is facing seven new sexual assault charges in the UK. The charges stem from alleged incidents involving a man between 2001 and 2004. Spacey is already facing charges for alleged assaults against three men in the UK. That trial is set to begin next summer. Last month, a U.S. jury dismissed a civil sexual assault suit against Spacey brought by another actor, Anthony Rapp. A docuseries about the life of rapper Nipsey Hussle is on the way from LeBron James's production company. In the Crenshaw district, well, this is where really the Nip Hussle story started. The series doesn't yet have a title, but it is expected to follow Hustle's journey from his childhood in Los Angeles to his years as a musician and activist. Hustle was shot and killed in 2019 at the age of 33. So far, there is no word on a release date. It looks like Mariah Carey is facing some pushback after making a major claim about her connection to Christmas. Obviously, Carrie's song, All They Want for Christmas is You, is a staple of the holiday season. But the Washington Post reports that didn't help the singer's effort to trademark the term Queen of Christmas. The report says Carrie didn't pursue the matter after another vocalist opposed her application. Wonderful. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Last Men's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. This fight started with a focus on services for students. Parents swelled our lines to demand better for their children and we're not prepared to back down now. 
Updating our top stories, the union representing 55,000 education workers has filed a five-day notice to go back on strike. QP says talked with the province of Stalls with potential job action, meaning schools could be forced to close as early as Monday. We're rationing this for families. You know, we're just uh, selling one box uh, per family. Pharmacists are warning about continued medicine shortages amid a rise in respiratory illnesses. Ottawa has secured a foreign supply of some medications, but pharmacists are calling for the drugs to be manufactured here in Canada. I do not feel safe going to school because my younger, younger sibling, again, I have to worry about him and my safety. A 12-year-old girl is speaking out about bullying in Toronto's school system, saying she's been threatened with gun violence. It comes after a recent rash of incidents at schools, including a serious stabbing on Monday. On the markets, the loonie was down a quarter of a cent to 75.04 U.S. Oil fell $1.33 to close at 85.59 U.S. dollars a barrel. And the TSX lost 36 points to end the day at 19,957. Toronto Blue Jays are making changes to their roster. They've traded outfielder Teoscar Hernandez to the Seattle Mariners. Miss him. Uh, we, we got to the point where... Um, you know, we felt like the acquisitions on the run prevention side would help us. It does create some flexibility for us as well. Hernandez joined the Jays in 2017. He's a two-time winner of the Silver Slugger Award, and he made the All-Star team in 2021. In return, the Jays received right-hander reliever Eric Swanson and a pitching prospect. The team tweeted today, for what you've meant to our team and the community, thank you, Teoscar. With it. Sends it to Kyle, straight line, and contested, but Lowry able to finish. Kyle Lowry will be back in Toronto for the second time since he left for Miami. The Raps are taking on their former teammate and the Heat tonight at home. They are coming off a win in Detroit on Monday, but will once again be without two of their best players, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. Tip-off goes at 7.30. Canadian soccer fans are joining the rest of the world in the countdown to the start of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. I think the big thing for Canada is that they stay consistent and they compete in every single match, and the team that John Herbin selected can do exactly that. Canada's men's team is making an appearance at the Games for the first time since 1986. The team is in Group F with Belgium, Morocco and Croatia. The World Cup begins Sunday, and Canada's first game is against Belgium one week from today. And it looks like fans might be able to take in the World Cup games live at Toronto bars, despite the eight-hour time difference with Qatar. Mayor John Tory says he'd like to see alcohol services be permitted from 8 a.m. onwards, rather than the provincial standard of 9 a.m. He'll bring up the matter at council next week. Meanwhile, the Grey Cup game just a few days away, and today the Argos and the Blue Bombers reflected on their journey and how they are preparing to face off. I just make it important to the guys to understand, you know, there's going to be a lot of distractions. Don't let it distract us. Let's not lose sight of what the, the whole goal is to win a game on Sunday. And uh, that, that's what we're here for. Toronto is on the hunt for its first championship since 2017, while Winnipeg is looking to be the first team to three-peat since Edmonton won five straight in the 70s and 80s. Just ahead, a Toronto man says a dispute over a garbage can has led to his mail delivery being suspended. What's fueling the trash talk when we return?
Remember, the CTV News at 6 podcast is available as a download every weeknight. You can also listen to the show live on News Talk 1010. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. Usually, a trip to the mailbox is a smooth part of your early morning or after work routine. But a Toronto man says a bizarre standoff with Canada Post is preventing him from receiving his mail. CTV's Andrew Brennan has the details. Neither snow nor rain. It's been an unofficial postal service motto on what won't stop them delivering the mail for centuries. But what will, it seems, is a garbage can. To me, it's not fair. Sam Muthasami says on November 9th, the Canada Post carrier was seen on his security camera taking photos of his mailbox outside his East York home. The next day, he had this note saying mailboxes must have unobstructed access at all times for the safe delivery of the mail. This is my shoulder level, and, and it is very easy to take a letter from outside or to put inside. Is it, is it really blocking? I don't think so. He says he called the number on the slip and found out his mail delivery had been suspended. Canada Post tells CTV News it was aware of the situation, but while unable to comment on this specific case, a spokesperson says carriers need unobstructed access to a mailbox. An inspector has now visited the home. Muthasami says it's never been a problem until last week. This is the setup for the last five years. There were so many mailmen, no problems. Even the same mailmen who served the notice to me had no problem a couple of days before. Muthasami says he was given only 15 days to resolve the problem before his held mail will be returned to sender. And he's expecting some important parcels. He also says he shouldn't have to move a mailbox that is already accessible. Andrew Brennan... CTV News. All right, one last look at the forecast. What's the snow situation like now? You know, not too bad for the GTA. We are still dealing with lingering flurries, and we can take a look at our radar imagery just so you can take a look at that. But we are starting to see a lot of activity in terms of snow squall watches and warnings. So uh, warnings in place now in the Godrich area, extending a little bit inland, and also for Barrie and Collingwood. So this is somewhere of 10 to 25 centimeters of snow between now and tomorrow. In the yellow, we have special weather statements, or I, or I should say watches for snow squalls meaning they could happen. Niagara and Kingston, starting tomorrow afternoon, lots of snow on the way for you, building through the weekend due to snow squalls. That's just been added. I thought it was on the way, but it's happening now. And what we're looking at is temperatures staying below seasonal in the next little while. So two degrees tomorrow, two on Friday, minus two on Saturday, minus one on Sunday for the Santa Claus Parade. We get a little closer to our normals next week. Thank you, Michelle. And be sure to join Omar Sachidina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Michelle Jobin and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching. Have a good night. We'll see you at 11.30. Good night.